it's kind of a, uh, a funny week in many ways, um, as we just finished Thanksgiving and that, and now we're getting ready for Christmas, but we're not quite ready yet, and so it's that in-between Sunday. Um, we'll start Advent next week, and we'll start working through the Advent calendar, and the messages kind of go along with the theme and lighting the candle and that tradition, and so that part of it's kind of nice, but this Sunday is uh, in-between Sunday, and on Thursday, PJ said, Charlie, what are you preaching on this week? And I'm like, as of Thursday, I was like, hon, I don't know yet. <laughs> and she goes, well, you better get on that. And I'm like, well, all right, well, I'm working on it. And uh, it literally came to me in the middle of the night um, on what to preach on. And so hopefully um, it speaks to you. It's a familiar passage. And it seems like um, as I was going through it, it, it's kind of saying over and over again, it's for pre- preparation for Advent. It has a lot of the same themes in this passage that we're going to see throughout the upcoming weeks. And so it actually, I believe, is a good in-between before we start the Advent season. So John chapter 15, and Jesus is speaking throughout this whole passage this morning. We're going to look at 17 verses and kind of work our way through them. Um, And he's preparing his disciples because he's going to leave. He's going to be leaving them. And he's kind of getting the last instructions into them. And uh, you can kind of see them hanging around. And, and he's, he's trying to make sure he gets the key points before he leaves. And so he gives this beautiful illustration of the vine and the branches. I have to set this up, though, a little bit because this passage has actually become somewhat controversial. Because if you look at it in a different way, it kind of gets funky or it gets hard to, to interpret. And, and with all illustrations, they can break down. But I want you to look at this passage with it's not talking about salvation. All right? It's not talking about fruit in the terms of salvation. It's talking about already being a believer and what we do after salvation. Okay? Hear me on this, because if you try to look at it from the other perspective, it gets wonky. You have to really reach out, and it gets kind of funky in your theology, and it will almost tell you that you can lose your salvation, and that's not what this passage means, and other scripture does not back that up. And so that's why I want to make that key point, because when you look at it as fruit and as a growth of a Christian, a new believer, it kind of makes sense. Right? We don't all grow at the same time, we don't all grow at the same rate, and we all don't um, have the same fruits. Right? We have different, and again, if you look at those spiritual fruits, there's a lot of different fruit. In fact, I'll just say it up front, I am not a big fan of spiritual inventory to determine your giftedness. All right? I don't mind them, but I think it locks you into a certain gifting, or you think that's your gifting based on that test, and you tend to stay in that lane. And God tends to change, as we change in our relationship, our giftedness. And you'll see what I mean when we go through this passage, because if we don't use that gift, God will take it away. And so I kind of set you up here. You kind of got the meat and the bones already, but look at this passage through that light and see if it makes a little more sense as we go through it. Again, Jesus is speaking here in verse 1, and he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. All right? 
So Jesus is the source, right? Jesus is our self saying about it. Ryan, you beautifully with those songs and Cam, thank you, because that was part of that, right? That salvation through Jesus Christ. And God is the one that determines what we do after that, right? After we've become a believer, that relationship, what happens next, right? And so in verse 2, he says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful, right? That's why I said it's important to realize that Jesus is the one. He's the vine, right? And, and we're just a branch of Jesus, right? We're, we're, we're just a part of that. And we, there's an expectation as believers that we are going to bear fruit, right? And how we bear fruit is important, how we do that, how, how we grow as believers to maturity is important. And in that process, there are believers who do not grow. They get stunted or they stop growing, right? And so it no longer becomes fruitful. Yet even if you are fruitful... Right? It says here, even the, 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 the branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Right? He cuts back a little bit. Get in that, that, he's talking here about that process that happens. The longer that we walk with God, the more that we get in that relationship, the, the deeper it goes, the more that he reveals to us that, hey, I need to cut that out. Right? Or I need to change a behavior. Or I may need to develop it better. Right? I may need to... to, to to, to live a little bit differently than I did when I first became a believer. Right? That's part of that pruning process, and sometimes that hurts. Sometimes it it's, involves a little bit of pain. Right? Cutting those things out. Right? I, I can do that, but it's not helpful to my growth. And so he does that work on us. He prunes us because he loves us, because he wants us to be even more fruitful. Right? And so that is the, the key. And so it sounds kind of harsh. It's like, well, God's always tinkering with us in some ways, right? He's always doing a work on us. He's kind of messing with us a little bit. But ultimately, it's for our own good, and it's for the fact that we can produce even more fruit. Three here backs up my earlier statement here. And look at verse three. It says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. That reference to clean, again, to a, a Jewish believer rings clear as day is like, well, clean means that you are holy, right? You're already part of, you're already sanctified, right? And for our purpose today, you are already saved. So it's not talking about that. It's talking about that life afterwards, right? Positionally, we're all set. We are saved, right? Some people like to say, my ticket for heaven has already been punched, that's not wrong, but what do we do after that still matters. I think that's what Jesus is getting to here as he's talking about that. But that reference to being clean is, you're all set in that regard. But now what happens? Yeah, what do, what's next? I love it when someone comes to Christ. That's always the, the first thing they say, right? What do I do next? Right, that enthusiasm, excitement. Interestingly enough, we often reference them, hey, why don't you read the book of John? 
right? That's kind of one of the first books that we like to, to give to a new believer, right? Because it reads easily and it tells about Jesus and it shows the heart of Jesus. And it's a good way to get to know him better. John speaks a lot about Jesus and his character. And so it's a great book to start off with as a new believer. But verse 4 kind of says, well, how do I do that? How do I grow? How do I bear fruit, right? I can say I want to be fruitful, but how do I do that? You know, I know God's going to do a work, right? God's going to do the, the cutting, the pruning, and that part, but how do I, how do I get that going? Well, verse 4 says, remain in me. Some translations say abide in me. Uh, the older translations, as I remain in you, right? That being connected, right? The, going back to the source. If you read ahead, and maybe this week you want to, in the end of 15, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, right? That's part of that, right? That Holy Spirit is part of that relationship, is part of that what helps us stay connected to God. We also, I'll say, you have to put time in, Right? You have to make sure the connection's good. PJ dug out our Christmas lights. That's a patience test for me. That's one of those things. Christmas lights are one of those things that um, I would not put them up if it was not for my wife. But inevitably, you plug them in, right? And sometimes they light, sometimes they don't. Sometimes the bulb is loose on one end, or the plug's not all the way, or half of them light, half of them don't. Like I said, it takes a lot of patience for Christmas lights. Thinking God must have the same patience with us because sometimes our bulb's not always lit, right? Our connection's not always good. Things get in the way, right? We're not connected as we should be. And so it doesn't flow through us. It stops. We become a barrier to that that God wants to do. So again, remaining in me as I also remain in you, it says no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, right? It must stay connected. We cannot bear fruit on our own. Again, the the illustration works well, right? A dead branch does not produce fruit. If it's not connected, if there's something that severed that, it doesn't bear anything. It's just a dead piece of wood. In fact, it actually reverts back. It starts to decay. It becomes even more useless. Careful here. I'm not talking about people in general, but there is a, obviously a correlation, right? Our spiritual walk can become the same way, right? We, be, we can become decaying beings, and we're not very fruitful. and becomes very dry and brittle, Right? So it says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So a believer cannot bear fruit unless he's connected to God. Sounds simple enough, but how do we remain in him? How do we stay connected? Right? There's always things trying to pull us apart. There's always use my trying to get in there and disrupt the service or the current. I'm going to use my Christmas tree light analogy if you want, right? doesn't take much to, to break that, that cycle. Verse 5 continues on with the same thought and, and some, offers some more help here. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me 
and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In some ways, it sounds like he's saying the same thing, but he is. He's just saying it again with a little more strength to it, right? He says, if you don't stay connected, you are nothing, right? You cannot bear fruit. It does not work. But he says, if you do, he says you'll bear much fruit, right? Or even more fruit. So the idea is it's not a one and done. It's a continuation in our walk, right? I always get a little worried when I'm talking with someone who's been a believer for a long time and they refer back to, hey, there was this time in my life where this was going on or I used to teach this Sunday school class and people were, were growing in their faith or I was sharing and, and things were exciting. And it's been years since that time and period. And there's nothing current. There's nothing within the last month or even last year or even, sadly, sometimes multiple years. That bearing fruit should be something that's a continuation. We should do that all the time, right? If we are connected well and abiding well, God wants to use us that we're bearing fruit on a regular basis. Got quiet in here for a second. Why does that happen? But God wants to use us to bear much fruit, and then again, apart from him, right, the, the key to all of this is staying connected, right? If, if you want to bear much fruit, you've got to stay connected, right? Apart from me, I can do nothing. Verse 6, if you do not remain in such branches, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned, all right? There's a consequence. There's a missing out if we are not bearing fruit, Right? He takes it a little bit further, and he's saying, if you're not continually bearing fruit, guess what? There's not much going on. It's dead. Your relationship is stunted. It's dead. It's no longer good for anything but fire. One commentator said, vine bushes are, are not very straight. They're not good for much. They're, they're not made for lumber or anything else. They, they kind of grow in all different directions. And he says, once they're dead... They're kind of hollowed out inside, and really, they're, they're not even good firewood at that point. I know some people feel the same way about popple and other things as well, but um, someone who loves to cut wood, right? But it has a cost to not being fruitful, right? And in many ways, sometimes a believer, if they're not bearing fruit, become dead, Right? You can't see anything going on. They don't see anything going on in their lives. And their relationship with God is very much dead. Right, It's not there. It's not present. You can't tell. In fact, many will say you can't tell the difference between them and an unbeliever at that point. They look the same. Right? There's no life in them. And so he speaks very sternly to this that that's not the way it's supposed to be. For us that are believers. He goes back to verse 7. He says, And if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. PJ would shoot me if I don't uh, reiterate this, but that asking whatever you do is a form of something we do a lot of here. Prayer. Right, prayer. Right? That's, a, that's how we talk to, to God, right? It's through prayer. 
Right? We, we ask God. That's how we ask is all through prayer. That's part of that relationship. Right? In fact, it's always a concern if someone says their prayer life is not very vibrant or it's not going well, right? All right, that may be we're getting disconnected. We need to, to, to pray more, not pray less, right? So Jesus says here, if you ask, right, if you're praying and you're connected and you're being fruitful, God's going to give you those things, right? He, you're going to be in line with him so that when you ask for things, God's going to answer those prayers, there's a correlation there. They all have to be working together, though. They don't just work separately or in backward order or, or anything like that, right? It works in that being in abiding and being in Christ. Joe, you mentioned this in verse 8. It says, this is to my Father's glory, right? This is to, to praise God. He wants to do this through us, right? It's for his glory. We are to praise him that you bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Right? That disciple is just a simple term for a growing Christian. Right? Someone who is growing in the relationship. Someone who is putting the time in and spending time with God. And again, with all that fruit, right? it will bear much fruit. And again, with all fruit, it's meant to be given away. Right? Fruit is for other people. Right? We get blessed by it, but it's for others around us. That connection is to be not for our own self, but for others as well. That's why we gather together. That's why we encourage. That's why we bring our gifts to each other to edify the body, to share them. You see that here as it shifts a little bit here. He shifts that part of this fruit, part of this gifting, shifts in verse 9. It says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Part of that, that connectedness, part of that life-giving, part of that fruit bearing is, comes through the love. Comes through the love of the Father, through the love of the Son, and should come through the love of us. Right? Love is the key to that. Love is the, the, the juice that kind of runs through that. It's the electricity that are in the Christmas lights, if you want to use that analogy still, right? It's the, that's the part that kind of flows through. And to be honest, it's what helps us love others, right? If we can be honest, that's not always easy, loving others, Right? I can love myself pretty easy. I don't have any problem loving myself and, and, and doing that. But boy, loving others, sometimes that takes work. I was going to say, some of you are easier to love than others, but I don't want to get in trouble this morning. I don't want you to sit there thinking, I wonder if he's talking about me again or not, right? Some of them don't have to guess, right, John? No, just, that was just too easy. Lord, forgive me. <laughs> the few feelings mutual, I know. It does take a lot of work, right? But that love is the key. Love is part of that fruit bearing, part of that, that life giving that we can give to others and show others is through our love, right? And don't miss here that love doesn't 
work in a vacuum, right? There's also, we need to obey his commands. It's not short of that. One of the things that hinders our love for others and also breaks that connection is failure to obey his commands, right? Use the other word for it, sin. Sin gets in the way of our connection. It it hinders that. It hinders us from bearing fruit. It hinders us from loving others. It hinders our relationship with him. And so we have to do that as well. We have to keep his commands, right? Love doesn't override that. It's a and both. Then he gives the reason. I love this. Jesus, the great teacher, right? He, he not only tells us all this stuff and he said, boy, it's, it's tough. And he gives us help. Like I said, later on, he gives us the Holy Spirit because he realized ah, these guys are not going to make it on their own. We need to give them the Holy Spirit as well. But he gives us the reason for doing this. Right? Verse 11, he says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Right? If you're abiding in Christ, if you're loving and loving others and you're staying connected, there's a joy that comes in that. It's an added bonus. It's a joyfulness that comes, right? And we talked about joy is not just happy. Joy is an inner heart condition, right? It's a joy that overflows. Like he takes delight in and joy in seeing you have joy. He passes it through, right? It's part of that connectivity. You can see, we've already talked about love and joy. Those are some of the themes for Advent, in case you didn't know that, in case you were wondering, right? And Christ is the last one, and peace is thrown in there as well, and I believe that comes through all this as, as well. So this passage does really set up Advent really well. Um, wasn't my original plan, but it does flow nicely. Praise God. So joy, so that joy may be completed, right? Be completed in you, but that you can have complete joy... <clears throat> Notice it says you can have joy, and it doesn't talk about the circumstances around it, right? Jesus is getting ready to leave his disciples. They're going to go through some struggles. They're going to go through some hard times in the loss of Jesus. They're also talking about going through some tough times of persecution and in their walk, yet Jesus is talking about them having joy and being complete in that. So it's not dependent on the circumstances. It's dependent on being connected. It's dependent upon his love for us. Then he whips out in verse 12 a command. Right? Jesus doesn't do many of these, but he whips out a command here right in the middle of this teaching. And he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Jesus said, hey, you've been with me. We've spent this time. We've spent almost three years at this point, day in and day out. And I've set an example for you. I've loved you despite yourselves, is what he's saying here, really, in many ways. And yet, I want, to, I want you to love each other, right? The timing is interesting because he tells them this, and they have just come off of a fight. There's a, a fight that took place a little bit earlier in this where they wanted to, some of the brothers wanted a higher seating, right? And, and their mother even interceded for them, and there was some, some inter-battling going on among the disciples, Right? There's some, some problems going on. In fact, they've already lost one. Judas is no longer with them at this point. He stepped aside or started to fall away. 
And John is mentioned here, hey, even with all that, and not John, but Jesus is mentioned here that I still want you to love each other just as I have loved you. That example that I have set for you, I want you to pass on. And then verse 13, as if that love wasn't enough, he goes to the greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. There's a shift in the paradigm, right? It's been this, this rabbi to his disciples, a teacher to the students. But now after this point, Jesus is saying, hey, now we're friends. Right? The relationship has grown. It's gotten to a point now where Jesus is calling us up. We're on a friendship level now, right? I can speak very plainly to you. I can, can talk to you as friends, right? I can even tell you some tough things, and we're still going to remain friends. And if you think about your own relationship, sometimes that can be difficult, right? Sometimes being friends, um, you have to use some of that capital, right? If you're really my friend, you're going to tell me if I'm doing something wrong or you're going to correct me, right? If you're really my friend, and yeah, it may hurt our relationship just a little bit, but on the thing about friends, help our relationship. Also, the, the neat thing about friendship, right, is it takes time. I always say it, relationships take time, friendships take time, and some are built over a, a lifetime, and some happen relatively quick, but they still take spending time together. And transversely, if you don't spend time in that friendship, right, the friendship tends to wane, right? As someone who's moved away from their home, right, I, I was able to visit with two of my high school classmates. We have a friendship, but... It's, it's, it's only through Facebook, and it's only through those once-in-a-while-happen-chance meetings. We're not connected that well. They don't know what took place last week, no more than I knew what play, took place in their lives last week, right? Because it's not a sustaining friendship. It's only a once-in-a-while. So it takes time, and God wants that same friendship with us, right? But it takes time, intentional time, and spending that time together. And he talks here about the sacrificial, right? The, the willing to put my needs down for the sake of my friend. And certainly Jesus does that. He does the ultimate, right? He does lay down. He physically lays down his life for us. Going back to the cross. And so he's preparing them for what lies ahead. He tells them to, to obey, to do what I have commanded, right? Keep, keep all the instructions going. Verse 15, he reiterates that relationship. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what his master's business is. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. Right? Because of the friendship, they passed it on. He's, he's given him those hard things, that teaching he's passed it on to his disciples. And the expectation is, and we know because we can look back through history, the disciples are now to give that same message to others, right? It's a continuation. That's what discipleship is as well, right? Passing information on and passing on to the next person. And not only just information, but that love and that fruit is to be taken, right? It, it's a continuation of the relationship. It goes beyond just the here and now, but 
to future generations. Verse 16 is an interesting verse. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give to you. Right? Remember, Jesus called the disciples, right? And, and there's strong teaching out there in the, in the Bible as well that God draws men unto himself. There's verses that talk about that, right? You know, we're seeking, but God's the one that's drawing us to himself. God wants the relationship. He wants us to be connected. He wants to connect with us. The problem is we're the ones that hinder that. We're the ones that get in the way. And so he's saying, I'm ready. I've got what you need. You just got to plug in. And again, he goes back to the analogy of the fruit, the fruit that will last, right? That, that spiritual fruit is what lasts. That's where the analogy now, if you don't think it goes back out the window, right? Because if it, you, know, you have an apple, it, it starts to rot, and if you don't do something with it, it withers and it dies. The hope is that the seed goes on, and another plant and goes beyond that. But again, the analogy breaks down. But the bearing of fruit will be a continuation. And it should be a continuation within the body of Christ. Fruit that will last, right? that has eternal value to it. And many believe that's part of the rewards, right? We, we may not see all of our fruit or the labor of our fruit on this life. We may not get those blessings. We may not know how we've impacted someone else until we get to heaven. And that's when we'll be given our reward. So if you attach it to that, that makes sense. And that falls with the same thought of this is not a salvation, but a rewards, the fruit that's given. And then lastly, and as we finish here this morning, he reiterates his command, right? This is my command, love each other, right? Love each other. And just as Jesus told his disciples, it's the same for us today. We're no different. We're disciples of Christ as well. And so we are commanded to love each other. Whether it's hard to love or not, it's not a choice. It's a command. It's not an option. It's a command. It's a, we have to love each other. And I believe the only way we're going to do that is if we stay connected. Right? Connected with God. Connected with Jesus. Connected in that relationship. He gives us the love so that we can love each other. So I just hope you take some time this week and kind of reflect back on that. Encourage you that want to read, read on ahead. I've only covered half the chapter. There's a lot more in John. You can certainly spend a lot more time on uh, the promise of the Holy Spirit and how that helps us in all this. Love, um, there's a lot more to it. But for this morning, love each other. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your willingness to connect with us, your willingness to provide the way that we may not only get connected, but to stay connected. And Lord, that you want us to bear fruit. Lord, help us to not do anything that hinders us from being connected to you. Lord, may we abide in your love, 
and your grace and your joy, which brings abound peace. And Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for each person that's here, Lord. And Lord, just continue to do your work in and through our lives. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.